Microsoft has announced Azure DevOps. If you're not familiar with this product already, I bet you have this image forming in your head of what Azure DevOps is. And I also bet you're wrong. But fear not, we're going to give you the lowdown on Microsoft Azure DevOps today on this episode of the Datanauts Podcast. At PacketPushers.net, you can find this in all of our Datanaut shows about infrastructure engineering, or just search for Datanauts spelled like astronauts in your favorite podcatcher. You can follow us at Datanauts underscore show. I'm Ethan Banks, and with me is the legendary Chris Wall, who has been backing up his brain into the hive mind orbiting the planet, ready to escape when things finally get super bad down here. Ah. <laughs> you know that's happening. <laughs> And joining us today is Nate Avery. Nate is a solutions architect for a systems integrator in the D.C. area. Nate, welcome to the Data Knots. And just in a sentence or two, introduce yourself to folks. Well, yeah, yeah, you, you covered it there. Solutions architect. I've been doing this for about over 15 years, close to 20. And uh, all of my customers primarily have been federal. So it, it gives me a slightly different perspective than others. And I'm also on the East Coast and, you know, so between government and being out there, we seem to get technology a little bit late. You know, we watch the wave come across the coast and we just kind of deal with it. You know, sometimes like, oh, oh, that looks interesting. <laughs> and then you figure out, uh, you know, the neat thing is it gives us a few years to figure out how we're actually going to implement it. Well, with Azure DevOps, and we're having that conversation, this is a, a bleeding edge announcement from uh, Microsoft just, just came up within the last month as we're recording this. Although, not really a new product, I mean, because before Azure DevOps was a thing, it, it was something else, in fact. So why don't we, before we get into the DevOps discussion, back up a step and talk to us about the products that Azure DevOps used to be before it got rebranded. Okay. Azure DevOps, it started life as a VSTS, or Visual Studio uh, Team Services, and it was a really neat way, and, and still is, for organizations to consume a CI/CD pipeline. And... That gets people into the DevOps mindset. It's like, hey, you know, I've got this code and I need to get it into operations. How do I do that? Well, that product filled that niche. And it was really kind of amazing to see it coming from Microsoft because it was decoupled from other services of theirs. Despite the name being Visual Studio, you could just use it and you could use it with almost any language. You didn't have to deploy it to Azure even. You could deploy on-site. You could deploy to AWS. You could deploy it many different places. And uh, I think that might have been a bit of the reason for the rebranding was that connection to Visual Studio. So, Nate, the Visual Studio Team Services, I was reading up on this. It felt like that's got a, a major cloud component in your project, lives in the cloud. Is that right? Yeah. So you can actually use the on-premise version of TFS if you'd like, but it does live in the cloud. And living in the cloud, to me, is is really part of the, the magic of this thing because you don't have to spin up infrastructure. You don't have to babysit a bunch of servers to do this thing. What I've seen in the past, in places where I've worked, where we've used tools like Bamboo or Jenkins or some of those other tools, is you wind up having a, almost a separate dedicated group of people just managing those. So this thing that you had out there that says, this is how we're going to improve our efficiency, winds up taking resources away and in some ways makes you less efficient. So you get rid of all that by just putting it in the cloud. And, and I, I love that component of it. 
Okay, so we've got Visual Studio Team Services in the cloud was was a predecessor here. You mentioned the on-premises version of that or flavor of that was was Team Foundation Server. You said TFS, so that's Team Foundation Server, correct? Correct. Sorry, I've been hanging out with the developer yeah. a little too long, maybe. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. But but these two products are do they have the same functionality? Similar. So what happens is uh, the Team Foundation server, and and this seems to be the the trend with Microsoft these days, is the on-premise version is a few months behind whatever they do in the cloud. So all the new features go right into the cloud, and then over time there are releases on the on-prem version that catch up or catch up to where the cloud used to be. Well, that's proper incentivization. You know, if you want people to use as you put it, the magic unicorn cloudy stuff uh, where where apparently we all want to live. I want to live in a cloud. I live in a building right now, but that's how you do it. So I think we've, I, I get it now. TFS, VSTS, all the fun old acronyms for Team Foundation and Visual Studio Team Services. Let's move on to Azure DevOps because that's, that's new and fun and exciting. So what's in this new bundle of joy for Azure DevOps? It's all the stuff you loved in VSTS, but broken up into smaller components uh, that are uh, a little easier to digest. So if you just wanted the pipeline piece, you could do the pipeline. If you just wanted a, uh, a repo for your code, you could do the repo. It makes it a little bit easier for those people who have other components in their CI/CD pipelines already built out, and they just want to sample maybe a little bit from here or from there. The other thing that they've done, which is really, I, I think, awesome, is they've, they've lowered the price. So VSTS, it was free. Why do you lower the price of free? Well, because it, it was free with an asterisk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was free for teams of up to five users. And so now they say if you have an open source project, it's just free. And you get some... Uh-huh crazy amount of build minutes, all that stuff. It's, it's just there. And there's no barrier to entry. If, if you're wanting to experiment with this and you want to bring in other people in your team, it's really kind of cool. Got it. That mirrors some other things I see in the open source community, especially like folks like GitHub, where as long as this is just for you, it's open source, where you're literally licensing it for other people to consume and reuse, thumbs up. Cool. We want you to be in there because they're trying to build an ecosystem. I can see that. That makes sense. And I think we were discussing earlier that the Visual Studio Team Services portion has now been divided into other modules. I don't know if you can provide more clarity to that, how that works. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird thing for me even because I'm used to the VSDS and just consume it all at once. But apparently there were, I guess, people out there who, who wanted these other individual components and modules. Again, if you just wanted to do the repo or you just want to do the pipeline or the testing piece, now you can go ahead and pull those out and use them however you see fit. And it's it's really nice and it it I guess in some ways makes it feel a little less cumbersome. And again, it's it, it's really kind of neat for Microsoft to be able to provide customers with choice. And that's possibly something we're not used to. <laughs> I think for some of us who've been in tech a long time, is that, wow, Microsoft's going to let me do this thing the way that I want to do it. And and we're just having to catch up to that. Well, as long as Clippy comes up and says, it looks like you're trying to build an open source project, then I'm cool. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm out. I don't that want would it. be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got to be an Easter egg in there somewhere. 
Uh, Nate, you were mentioning repos a minute ago, and uh, as I was digging through as various people reacted to the announcement from Microsoft about this product, some people seem concerned about all the repos that are already out there, but now we've got the pending acquisition of GitHub. So does that pending acquisition impact Azure DevOps users and how they use repos in any way? Anything to think about there? No, I, I don't I don't see that being much of an issue at all, really, because from the start, VSTS integrated well with GitHub. In fact, some of the, the first projects I tried, uh, I put code in GitHub and I said, hey, go get it. And really within a couple of clicks inside of VSTS, you could connect to it fairly simply. And, and anytime you made a change, of course, all of that would, would follow through. So having this as just having that synergy there, uh, it only seems to make things a little bit uh, actually a little bit better. Unfortunately, I don't have that new screen experience, but from everything I've seen, the integration kind of goes one step further and it appears that you'll be able to call some of those components easier from within your GitHub project. And I think that's a win for everyone. And again, since you don't have to, hey, you know, it's, it's there, you can do it or or, or don't, you know, there, no one's saying that you, you still can't use your, your tool of choice. Again, going back to that notion that Microsoft has given you lots of flexibility in how you build this thing out. Right. And, and you can still use TFS style repos, which, you know, there are tons of people out there who still have them and like them. And, you know, hey, I, I, I get it. If you have tons of legacy code, you may not want to just, you know, up and move that into a different style. Some other folks were, were whining that, oh, they used Azure in the name, but, but Azure makes you think of public cloud, and so they shouldn't have called it Azure. That's wrong. And what does that really mean, though, just from Microsoft's perspective? Is, is it that we, as people that consume Microsoft products, need to just think of the word Azure in a different way, not just public cloud, but a broader set of technologies Microsoft's dealing with? Yeah, I think that that might be it, uh, that there there's this interesting pattern that you see Microsoft take over the years where they find a brand name that kind of clicks and then it gets some goodwill generated behind it and then it moves into other products. I think for a while you saw that with uh, Xbox and you saw it with Windows and you saw it with a a few other names uh, if you go back far enough. And this might be part of it as well. Tying it to Azure, it's pretty cool because Azure is gaining traction. Azure is really kind of picking up speed and becoming its own thing. And most of these people who wish to develop projects are are looking to deploy this stuff. I'm going to say I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I my suspicion is that they're deploying into the cloud. And if you have an opportunity to say, hey, let's put it in our cloud or, or maybe add that little subliminal to it, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, touching my wagon to, I suppose... Ethan's little gripe there. What about the DevOps part? I mean, let's just let's just go through the whole name uh, because we have DevOps in the name, and I'm sure it's going to come up. I'm, those that are listening, I'm sure you're going to be like, "Oh, you can't use DevOps. It's not a thing. It's a process, and you know, it's a culture." Are we just at the point now where having DevOps in something kind of just means it's a tool that helps pipelines and communication across teams, and, and we're okay with that, or are we a little salty? Ah, oh, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think that's where it is. Where it, DevOps is a shorthand now. It's, it's a shorthand for a set of tools and practices and processes. And if you're talking to certain customers, you need to be able to say, this tool is going to help, help get you there, right? It's not the whole thing, 
But C-level executives need to know what to buy. And you have to give them some kind of a guidepost to make it easier for them. And, and I think that that's part of that naming brand. I don't work at Microsoft, so I can't tell you, but, but it feels easier for me as someone who, who has to make recommendations to people to say, hey, as we're making this DevOps transition, you know what, we can use a tool called blah, 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 DevOps. It really does make that, that conversation go a little easier. A little easier than saying Visual Studio Team Services. Right. Uh, because even you say, yeah, I want to use Visual Studio Team Services. You're like, well, well, what does that mean, right? You know, is it a collaboration tool? It's like, yeah, there's some collaboration in it. <laughs> is it a, a developer tool? Well, yeah, it's kind of a developer tool, but it, I, I don't think it quite tells the full story about where it fits in and that Azure DevOps brand. I mean, it's, it's just right there. Hey, we have a DevOps project where we want to build a CI/CD pipeline. What do you want to use? Well, I can use these other things or I can use a thing that's, that says it's a DevOps tool. And I'm sorry if that comes across maybe a little bit cynical, but man, it is easier sometimes if you can just jump to that shorthand. That's, that's fair. You know, it's interesting to see the terms that we use to describe, you know, quote unquote, making the relationship between dev and ops, i.e. DevOps morph over the years to the point where it's become part of branding and product exercise. And I feel like that hill that everyone was willing to die on about, you know, it's got to be people, process, and tools has kind of crumbled down to the point where it's more about the tools just because that's the thing that everyone's mental capacity kind of latch onto. And then we focus on, you know, okay, how do we incorporate that into the people and the process part? So interesting to see that morph. What are you thinking about, Ethan? Uh, just impressed with the, the pivot that Microsoft's made over the last several years, making real inroads into the broader IT ecosystem, where it's not all about Microsoft selling you other Microsoft things, integrating with these yet other Microsoft things, and you're just throwing all your money at Microsoft and locked into their ecosystem. They don't seem to be about that anymore. It's not about locking down your tool sets. Uh, they're giving you instead a, a development framework here with lots of flexibility and integration with all kinds of tools. And we didn't get into it in this section too heavily, but the list of tools that are not Microsoft Microsoft tools that they claim tight integration with in Azure DevOps is, is really impressive. All right. Well, now that we've all pontificated on the words Azure and DevOps to quite depth, let's talk about who's going to start driving adoption towards Azure DevOps. You know, what kind of organizational requirements are saying, man, I really need to meet these requirements. Azure DevOps is the fit. Or, Nate, maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum, Someone's looking at Azure DevOps and like, ah, this is more trouble than it's worth. This is not good for me. So let's just distill that into, if I'm looking to use Azure DevOps, what requirements should I be trying to match towards driving adoption to this tool or this set of tools? Okay. So I think the first thing you think about is, hey, how do we work as a team? Which types of methodologies do we use? Do we use Agile or Waterfall? What is it that we're that we're trying to do. And maybe you are waterfall and you're switching to agile. A lot of people do. That's still a thing. Not everyone has already converted. So then you look out at the, the set of tools in the suite and you find Azure boards. You say, wow, hey, maybe I'll start there because that allows me to prioritize my backlog and get into all that cool agile stuff. And you can use that as a simple gateway into the process. And the neat thing about where this product is now 
is you could stop right there. You could say, I have my agile boards. I'm grooming my product backlog and I'm happy with that and keep everything else the same. And then as your maturity improves, you pick up other components. So in other words, I don't have to use every tool that's in the suite that, you know, the five major products that they announced there, pipelines, boards, artifacts, repos, and test plans. I can just use boards and, and that's fine. I, I'm under no obligation to integrate everything else. Correct. And it's kind of interesting. You know, I'm not really sure how many organizations are going to go that route, but it's really kind of neat because sometimes you have a tool that does exactly the thing that you want it to do. Uh, maybe you're using Jenkins and Bamboo and so your pipeline is set, but you're not really happy with whatever tool you're using for your product backlogs. And so, hey, you could pick up Azure boards, keep your other stuff there, and that's fine. Maybe you're happy with the repo that you're using, so you don't have to use Azure repos. Maybe you're happy with your the way your, your artifacts are created, and so you don't have to use Azure artifacts. But it's there if you want it. And that is really flexible, and, and, and I think it, it should be applauded. Going back to Chris's question, I mean, is there a typical organization or, or a set of organizational requirements where, oh, yeah, Azure DevOps is the tool or group of tools that they should be looking at? Is there really a, a, a certain type of organization? Well, if you're doing open source, I think it's definitely worth a look because now that it's free for open source projects, definitely, you know, why not take a look at it? You know, lowering that price makes it super easy and super attractive. If you're a larger organization, I would say still take a look at it, see what you like about it, what you might not like about it, and then you can figure out how you wish to consume it. If you're doing a lot of stuff and you, those projects are, are internal and they're private, that's where you want to take a look and figure out, well, do I want the cloud version or is the work that I'm doing so super private and secret that I need to keep it all on, uh, all on-prem with TFS? Ah, well, that just it was my next question. I mean, how do I choose between Visual Studio Team Service? Well, it's it's not called that anymore because they rebranded to Azure DevOps. Uh, or, or when would I use the on-premises version? Is it strictly you know, privacy and and I don't trust anybody but my own systems to hold my code? So there are certain organizations, government organizations, which will probably choose to use TFS and keep it local for now, uh, at least until there's an approved FedRAMP version or a GovCloud version of the Azure DevOps products. And I've asked about this and they say, hey, it's coming, it's coming. So, man, I know there are tons of people who, who really can't wait for that because that's going to be really so special. Like waving the flag, like, woo! with the big foam finger, Azure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, figured, I figured it'd be something like that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, because uh, we've used it, you know, just outside of work with some friends and it's it's really kind of neat. It's it's simple, it's easy enough and, and again, just being able to pick and choose the components and how deep you want to go with them. Being able to say, hey, I've got a product and I'm moving it through and I want to have a manual gate before we go to prod or, uh, or heck, maybe even a manual gate before you go to your staging area. And, of course, you can name them whatever you want. But it's, it's kind of neat. Well, 
I want to go back to your point about open source. You mentioned, hey, if you're working on an open source project, you should really look at this platform because it's free for you to use. And I don't know why people wouldn't look at it. And I think some people would go, well, because Microsoft and they're evil or, or, or some such thing. You know, a lot of that's kind of legacy thinking from back in the day when uh, Microsoft and open source were really bumping heads. All that seems to have changed. I mean, I, I don't – I mean, from your experience working with Microsoft tooling, Nate, would you agree that Microsoft really is serious about open source, open source projects, um, sharing a lot of their code with the world and so on? I think so. I, I think what we're seeing now is is this really interesting new Microsoft. We have tools like Visual Studio Code, which can be used anywhere. You can use it on a Mac. You can use it on Linux. They even have a a new tool, uh, SQL Server Operations Studio, that lets you manage SQL servers from Linux and Mac. And the code for these tools is is right out there. They they publish it in GitHub, and you can take a look, and you can contribute to it. It feels like a different company in some ways. They're they're following a lot of the the trends. And I know that there are going to be some people who just can't get over the 90s, (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Burn, man. Ooh, call the fire brigade. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but but things are a little—at least they feel a little different. You know, there, there's new blood in there, and I think that uh, as people who who look to build solutions, we have to consider where we are today versus you know the history of things and the history of these companies. You know, what are they doing now? Can this thing help your customer? And that's really the only question that you need to ask. And if it scratches that itch, then why not suggest it? Well, you, you brought up briefly Visual Studio Code, which is uh, something I certainly love using. And it's at code on Twitter, which I was like, I can't believe no one took at code. Like, how did they get that handle? But yeah, like, how is that even a thing? <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Um, but but more succinctly, how does that fit into the mix? Is it part of Azure DevOps? Is it just something else that people like myself use for writing PowerShell code? You know, what's kind of the idea there? Yeah, it's just kind of hanging out there on the side. It's a really awesome editor. It does its own thing. You don't have to use it in order to use Azure DevOps, but I think a lot of people are going to use that to write their code and then publish it into GitHub and let the pipeline take it over from there. So so Azure DevOps doesn't actually know anything about Visual Studio Code? There's no hooks back and forth between the two? None. And, And that's one of those really interesting things that gets into the branding again and it's weird. You know, the branding implies like a better together relationship, which is there. But I think for some people, it also maybe gives the impression that one is required to work with the other. And uh, and I'm not really sure how they're going to, going to address that. So if I've got uh, an existing tool suite, of, of course I do. I'm, I'm, I'm a development shop. I'm producing software. I've got a bunch of tools. Are there any tools that I might have that I'd be replacing if I went with Azure DevOps? Ooh, yeah, yeah, we can talk about some of the competitors. So you have Jira out there, right? Lots of people use Jira for their Agile implementations. And Azure Boards kind of fits into that spot. Azure Pipelines, uh, I think that there's a pretty good parallel there with, uh, with Bamboo and with Jenkins. Repos, well, of course, you know, you can you have tons of different Git-style repos out there, uh, usually by the same companies. And then actually kind of at a top level, I would say that GitLab is probably the closest competitor to the whole Azure DevOps product uh, because a lot of the same things and, and 
style and workflows and things like that are also there in GitLab. So it just depends on, on what you're feeling and, and how things are going. Well, Nate, we talked earlier about cost. You know, it's free, or at least before it was free, but for five. And now it's free <laughs> as long as it's open source. Is that pretty much it? You know, just as long as you're not working on it for commercial reasons to make money off of it as your DevOps, just just go hog wild. Yeah, yeah, and I think the the cost, even if you you do have a team, is it's outrageous. It's somewhere I think maybe five or ten dollars or something along those lines. So again, you have to figure it out based on the size of your organization, how many people are working on those teams, whether that makes sense for you. But for open source work, there's there's really no reason why why you wouldn't want to take a look at it at least. Unless you have a tool that you really love, I suppose. We've also talked about the flexibility of Azure DevOps, that it's not actually locking you into a bunch of Microsoft-only tools or resources. Well, let's talk about publishing an app uh, somewhere. Can I use Azure DevOps to publish to uh, non-Azure infrastructure as a service, like uh, like maybe AWS? You certainly can. So one of the, the really cool aspects of it are the integrations. Go ahead and go out there and as you're building your pipeline, you select the different components and uh, there's a marketplace where you can pick whatever it is you want to use. And one of them is an AWS connector. And that AWS connector lets you jump right in and say, hey, I want to use a CloudFormation template or publish the different components within the AWS suite. And it was free. Uh, It said, hey, you know, the link on there said, get it for free. I clicked the link and sure enough, it all popped up and I had all these other options for what to do in AWS. Now that surprised me because <laughs> uh, I, I, I do still kind of think about the old days and and it just kind of blew me away. It's like, wow, you, they, they do appear committed to this thing. Yeah, the way you're describing it, it's not just that they built a connector and, and you can consume AWS resources. It sounds like they did it well. Yeah, they did. And and I expected just to find uh, some some link to be able to maybe create an infrastructure as a service type deal. However, it was more robust than that. There were Lambda functions and all the other types of deployment options that you would expect. Clearly, not every Amazon service was there, but enough to make it really worthwhile. And, and I think the, the challenge there is just that Amazon keeps releasing new services almost every day. You know, I can imagine that there's a challenge on that end, but the stuff that's there, it all felt fairly modern. It, it didn't feel like a cheat. It looked legit. I was yet impressed again, Chris, that this feels to me like, like a new Microsoft. And those of us that have known Microsoft for a long time need to get over the 90s and then that really hit me when the when he said the 90s because oh man that is a long time ago now and seriously it's time for all of us to to move on and move past and accept microsoft for where they're at now and uh, and see what they have to offer there seems to be a lot and man those guys are a programming powerhouse there's no <laughs> no mystery there they know how to make software that is for sure what's on your mind chris Oh, absolutely. When I was at Ignite, um, one of the folks I saw at the show was wearing a t-shirt from the, from the show. It was a, a 2018 Microsoft Ignite t-shirt. And it literally was just clip art and stuff from the 90s, like the old network neighborhood icon and just all the throwback stuff. There was no clippy, unfortunately. But uh, certainly even they are kind of poking fun at their pivot, which I, I thought was excellent. But my mind was thinking about 
that because of the free nature of the tools found in Azure DevOps, I think it would make a good sense to at least dip a toe in this world. It feels like a good, hey, I don't know anything, so what's the harm in kind of thrashing around like a gorilla in a china shop because, hey, it's, it's all free and you can throw it away afterwards. And similar to your comment, Ethan, I'm also curious, when will the bloom come off the rose for being amazed that Microsoft is allowing, you know, tool sets to be deployed on Linux and Mac OS environments? I'm like, okay, it's, it's actually been a couple of years now since that started. And uh, I mean, that's, we are still reeling. I mean, that's how big of a pivot this is. So it's interesting to see, you know, that uh, that's still a thing. Okay, Nate, we want to put the ops into DevOps. It's felt like kind of a developer-focused discussion so far, but uh, but but for the people that are operations-minded, we want to ask some questions that maybe help those operations folks understand a bit more about Azure DevOps. Um, so let's, uh, let's start here. What is the impact of folks who are already using Team Foundation Services or Visual Studio flavor of this? Are they going to be automatically upgraded to Azure DevOps? I think I saw some mention that Microsoft is going to do some automatic updating. You know, should we be worried about the URLs of our VSTS projects changing? Is there any concerns there? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I've been reading a lot of the same things, and I've been logging into my instance, taking a look and refreshing, and I don't see much difference, <laughs> at least not yet. So the refresh hasn't hit me, but. From what I can tell, it's uh, it, the analogy I give it is it's like looking at a room in your house and the furniture has been moved around slightly. You know, it's the same stuff. It just may be in a little bit of a different place than where you found it before. Everything is still there. The features are still there. In fact, kind of a funny story. Before I realized that it was a rebranding, I was really confused. I thought, what the heck is this? thing that they've done you know what is this azure devops product and why would they do this if they have vsts <laughs> um you know i really wasn't sure and then it, it hit me like oh okay cool yeah it's just a rebrand but everything is still there and and i think the benefit we we're starting to talk about for for ops guys is the same benefit of any ci cd pipeline and that's to make your life easier if you're supporting developers and you need to keep the lights on, you want to be able to, to get that code from, from the repository into production as seamlessly as possible. And hopefully you want to do it without costing yourself nights and weekends, or at least crazy long nights and weekends. And, and that's what this does. What about for someone out there, you know, he or she is looking at this and saying, cool, I want to get started, but I don't have any existing TFS or VSTS installation. What's the level of effort required to get up and running with Azure DevOps? It, it's super simple. You go to the website, you sign up, you start building a project. And there are tons of examples already out there, code that you can you know, pull from existing uh, repos, grab something from one of those repos, put it in your own and then kind of work yourself through the pipeline process. It can be something as simple as, as soon as I publish my code, I want it to deploy immediately to Azure, or you can have it step through all of the other product or parts in that life cycle. So I encourage anyone to just hit up the website, take a look at the links and play around with it. It really is something that can happen in, uh, in minutes. Even if you're not familiar with CI/CD pipelines and, and that sort of thing, or not super familiar with Git, a lot of those examples 
can really get you up to speed. And I would say that you could you could start having a a, a fairly decent idea of what this stuff is like in in a very short time. Let's say I've, I've I've done this. I've gotten Azure DevOps up and running. I've got a project started, and I am again more of an operator, less of a developer. What are the screens or the tools I'm going to be spending time with in Azure DevOps? How, how do I use this tool to to as you say make it easier to get code running on infrastructure? Yeah, you're going to be living in the pipeline. What's living in the pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a t-shirt yeah. waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah, that, that wow, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that, that's where you'll spend most of your time, and and what that means is you you will be looking at the sequence of events required to deploy software, and that can be something as simple as an ARM template. And so that's for ops guys. I would start there. Just hey, I've got this ARM template to uh, maybe build up a SQL server or something along those lines and I want to have it automatically deployed, you can do that. You can do that fairly simply. Uh, so it's kind of neat in that, that it kind of just walks you through it step by step. Hey, I, I first need to go from A to B to C, and then you watch it go and you say, wow, now I've got my, my ARM template deployed out there in Azure or your CloudFormation template in AWS or wherever it needs to go. And I would just start there. Uh, that sort of thing for me as an ops guy makes life easier because, you know, I've, I've been there. I've been trying to, you know, tweak certain things on my own and experiment with things. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's easier to have a little place where you say, you know what, this is my code repository is version controlled. And I'm following all of the principles of infrastructure as code now. And I can do that in my, my normal day to day life. Now, as you're describing all of that, it does remind me that in, although you've you've used the word simple several times, that it is simple to get going and, and use the fundamental features of Azure DevOps, there is a ton going on in the background. This is a complex piece of software talking to a lot of other complex pieces of software. And it, it sort of feels like Azure DevOps is maybe the glue holding a lot of different tools together in a way. Is this a buggy product? I mean, do you run into issues where there's just there's just bugs that you got to deal with? I've not yet run into bugs. I've run into issues where I was unfamiliar with it, where like, like the classic meme of expectation versus reality. Uh, I've, I've hit those a few times. Uh, so uh, the thing that hit me, uh, at least with the VSTS product, was build minutes. Now, I'm an ops guy, so I was unfamiliar with this weird thing. And uh, essentially what it is is it's, uh, it takes your code and it attempts to give it a test run and it does all the stuff that it needs to do. And, and you're just kind of sitting there waiting and, and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then it's like, Hey, I'm done. And, and you're, you're good to go. Uh, an example of this was uh, an arm template that I was working on for a SQL server cluster using infrastructure as a service. So it wasn't the, you know, the PaaS instance of SQL Server. Uh, so it's out there and it's building and it. It took, I want to say, over 30 minutes. And uh, and it stopped and it, it erred. I thought, well, well, that's bizarre. You know, I thought, well, maybe there was an issue with the ARM template and it took a look and no, it wasn't there. In that particular case, there was a cap 
on how long the free build time could go. So that's, that's just one of those things that you have to figure out. And then you say, well, hey, I restarted it and then it completed because fortunately it picks up where it, where it leaves off. And, you know, so five minutes later, it, it had everything deployed. But that was a case where, you know, wow. I think, wow, I, yeah, yeah, I was just under the, you know, I was just over the, the limit there. But it's, a, it's an expectation versus reality. And, and there are some things that operations guys are going to have to pick up from, uh, you know, their, their brothers and sisters in the development world. Uh, some of the language there and, and some of the thought patterns that, that will uh, assist ops guys getting ops stuff done. Well, the one thing I tend to think about is the approval process, because anytime you build one of these pipeline type infrastructures that's uh, absorbing resources for build process and deploy process, all kind of jazz, approvals come into my mind. So, you know, like say a dev wants to push an app to the cloud infrastructure, can the infrastructure team, you know, the, the, the men and women in the ops team and the infrastructure team be involved with the Azure DevOps interface just to kind of create that sanity check, if you will, from an approvals process? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a role-based access control component that's built into it. And you're definitely allowed to build uh, those approvals into the pipeline process. And there's, uh, I think, a little people icon there uh, during the deployment phase. And you can say, all right, hey, this is where someone has to manually give it a go before anything else happens. And that kind of con- controls the chaos, if you will. Got it. Because I, I do love I do love clicking the button that says like approve. And also decline. I think I get more joy from the no button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but you know it's interesting because that that's a very real deal. Uh, hey, this tool is free, but your your time and and resources in in Azure or AWS or wherever you're deploying, it's not free. So you do need to to keep that in mind as you go. Yeah, Jevin's paradox is a real thing for those listening. Definitely Google that. What about reactions to events? Can I script to say? You know, if testing fails for a build, do the things, you know, notify or try again or potentially, you know, try to triage that. Because I, I tend to love to build unit tests and functional tests and being able to react to the success or failure of those are important to me. So to be honest with you, I've not gone that deep. I, I've not, I don't know. I, I imagine that it's there, but I've not yet had that case uh, where I've had to do that. Well, then what about monitoring? Does Azure DevOps help me at all monitoring application performance or or would we look at this tool as like, is this a day one tool, but not a, not a day two tool? Hmm. Not so much as a monitoring tool, but I could see using it as a version control tool in a sense. Uh, because if you're using ARM templates and that sort of thing, well, you can make the case that, that this is enforcing configuration control within your environment. So possibly from that standpoint, but, but it would be more of a, of a, of a day one tool. Hey, you're rolling out infrastructure, so do this. Uh, and now you're updating or upgrading your infrastructure. Use this tool. So I wouldn't say that it's something that you uh, would go to. Like uh, I, I can't see a knock or a sock keeping you know these screens up and running. Right. Okay. So I, well, I think I think you've kind of answered my next question then. But does does Azure DevOps do any sort of uh, of orchestration, and it, it sounds like the answer is no. That's not really what it's for. Well, you know that's an interesting thing because uh, when I look, when I consider the word or- orchestration, I, I think of automation, and and that to me is really what a pipeline is—is is just automating a series of events. And so, from that standpoint, sure. 
it, it just depends on what you're calling and how you're calling it. But you could have a pipeline that runs a PowerShell script or any other type of, uh, of, of control or function to execute something. So yeah, you can, you could call it that. But okay. So maybe a more directed question then would be like, it's certainly not a Kubernetes competitor. It's not a scheduler. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not out there uh, bringing up and down instances or things like that, you know, on its own. It's that that's not really what it does. It, it gets your infrastructure built uh, that first time. You could use it to create your Kubernetes, but you wouldn't necessarily have it out there bringing up and down containers. Well, kind of a final thought here around Azure DevOps and something that I brought up while I was at Ignite talking to Jeffrey Snover, actually, it was around Azure Stack. Are you aware of any special integration between the Azure DevOps suite and Azure Stack? I'm thinking in my mind, like, potentially bringing these services on-prem via Azure Stack, even though they're still Azure-y as a, as a region, if you will? Well, I'm not aware of anything partic- in, in particular, but I don't see why you couldn't. It would just be another destination for your, for your actions to run. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine why, why that would be a thing. I would hope that it would work just fine. To the lab, let's do it. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, let's grab, break out an Azure stack and try it. Well, that feels like a good place to end our Data Knots podcast for today. Nate Avery, thanks for giving of your time and sharing your knowledge uh, about Azure DevOps. Uh, now, are you a, a blogger, or active on Twitter, anything like that that you want to tell folks about? Yeah, yeah. I'm on uh, Twitter at Nathaniel underscore Avery, and I blog at NotYourDadsIT. NotYourDadsIT.com. All right. Very good. And uh, all of those links for Nate will be in the show notes. And uh, that is it for today's edition of the Data Knots podcast. You can reach me via my about page at EthanCBanks.com. Chris is at Chris Wall on Twitter. And his blog is WallNetwork.com. I want you to know that Chris is very mean. He changed my outro show notes and to see if I would mess up. And I didn't, buddy. I didn't. Ha! For those of you who, <laughs> who want to know even more about infrastructure engineering, all of our Data Not shows are at packetpushers.net. You will find us talking about all things infrastructure and operations. And until then, may your server lights blink, your DevOps tooling make unicorns, and your cables be cleanly managed. <laughs>